So no news is good news, at least for the most part. If you're a bigger name college basketball program whose season started last night, no news is good news. And yes, I get it if you're Louisville and you beat UMBC by just one and you need a late push at the end to secure that victory, coming off an extremely Hey, they lost those games last year. And darn right, Trey, the no news of not being upset is still good news. But let's summarize this as smoothly as possible as we're now in crossover season, where there is college basketball just starting, and we're in the back quarter of the college football season, most teams having played nine or so games on their season slate. And believe it or not, we're just two weeks and a couple days from Thanksgiving, which means for a lot of teams, including the Virginia Cavaliers, they're just two and a half weeks left in this version of the season. And sadly, it appears for the JMU Dukes as well. Although that fight doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. And uh, even more, the curiosity, the only thing I'm really curious about, when the college football playoff rankings release comes out tonight, that's really the only thing that piques my interest. It's just JMU probably not going to be included again. I don't think they'll be ranked until they're deemed eligible for a bowl. I think that was the understanding amongst the college football playoff committee, I think, when they released a statement. I I love these implicit understandings. But anyway, that's going on in the world of football. Meanwhile, in basketball, it's kind of easy to remember or easy to forget things are going on, especially when most of the teams in the area did what you would expect last night. Starting early yesterday afternoon, Frostburg State, I don't even know where they are. But what did you just say? Frostburg State. They were I at the it. Liberty Women's Basketball game yesterday were they playing... Cold? The Lady Flames. Were they cold? They were cold offensively, it appears, because they scored six points in the first quarter and seven in the second. Were they frozen? Liberty, uh, they were in the first half because they trailed 38-13 to at the break. Flames cruised to a 68-46 to victory over the aforementioned Frostburg State. I found it now, Trey. The Bobcats. Who would have known? Where are they located? Uh, that is a phenomenal question, Trey. I could not begin to tell you and we don't have a connected device here if we did we could even say alexa stream cbs sports radio lynchburg but alas we don't to ask alexa where is frostburg state so no news good news liberty women's basketball second game same thing virginia tech women's basketball we touched on it trey yesterday a 38 to 15 lead after the first quarter for the virginia tech (laughs) yeah it was over uh it was never competitive against high point uh by any stretch of the imagination so so far, Trey, two The high point two. of that game was the first quarter. It was, but it, shh, I See like your it, play on you. words, I'm Trey. working on it with these random team names. You know, I don't think I'll be able to do it for Coppin State. That, you know, there's not much there for Coppin State because Virginia Tech's men's basketball team clobbered Coppin State yesterday. One of a couple of teams from the area, by the way, to go over the century mark when it comes to basketball. Barely. 155, Virginia Tech knocked off. Coppin State uh, in a game where, I mean, look, let's not kid ourselves either. Hokies jumped out to an early lead. They led by 26 at the break, 45-19. Never really close. Biggest lead was 47 for Virginia Tech in the second half. They win this thing by 45. But again, no news, good news. Virginia Tech beats Coppin State. They get a bunch of players in the game. They ended up playing, what, 
10 guys in total for Virginia Tech. Excuse me, 11 in total for Virginia Tech. The ones who didn't play, those are the ones that are redshirt candidates. That's the easiest takeaway from these games in the early going. So we got Virginia Tech out of the way. We got Liberty women out of the way. And now we'll get Liberty men's basketball out of the way as well. Mid-Atlantic Christian University. I guessed Maryland, by the way, in terms of where they were located. Take a guess. I'm going to go with, it seems like a Delaware team. You know, that that would have been another guess for is me, Is it Virginia? Trey. No, believe it or not, it is North Carolina. How is North Carolina considered the mid-Atlantic? That's a question that I asked myself last night. That's kind of stretching. the Virginia is kind of stretching the bounds. In fact, Virginia is the last definition for me of mid-Atlantic, Trey. I you consider just, Virginia the South. I do, too. I mean, look, you grew up in Richmond. I consider that the South. We're an I hour mean, away from Charlottesville. If we want to get controversial, debatable. it was the capital of a certain certain part of the South at one point. Let's yeah, just put it that way. You know, I mean, Trey, I, I know we may not like that point in history, but it was history, and it did happen. I just in said our a fact. World. You know, hey, that's all we're doing here in the fast lane. And the fact was, Liberty destroyed Mid Atlantic Christian, one hundred three to forty three. Brody Peoples, by the way, looked really good for Liberty last night. 20 points, 5 rebounds. Uh, I'll be very curious to monitor, monitor his story because he's a guy who's always had scoring ability. But uh, let's be honest, when Liberty needed a three-point bucket last year, they weren't going to Brody Peoples, with all due respect to him. They were going to go to Darius McGee, and again, it's totally understandable. But Zach Cleveland stepped up. Shiloh Robinson was solid. Gabriel McKay, I mean, he may be the guy with the expanded role, and he's really had to earn his way to more playing time. And Again, I am totally cool with that because he's Coach Rishi McKay's son. And if you're going to hold your own son to a higher standard, I think that's fantastic. But, I mean, there's so many guys you could point to for Liberty that were dominant last night in different ways. Whether it's scoring, as we mentioned earlier. um, and, And here's the crazy thing. Out of Liberty's starters last night... Zach Cleveland was the only one who made double figures. So Liberty was able to get creative with different lineup combinations and different players. Now, Caillou, the, the, the freshman from China, who is actually, he needs an interpreter still to help him get through things. He did not play last night. That, to me, is, again, another major, I wouldn't call it total red flag, but it is a major indicator that if he's not playing in a 103-43 to 43 blowout over Mid-Atlantic Christian last night, he's probably not playing at all this year, nor can I blame him because seven-footer with good athleticism but a defense that requires a lot out of you, uh, I wasn't expecting much. So, Tech, Liberty, the, the Mustangs. out of the way. Yes. Radford, in a game you heard on the VTRN Roanoke app, your home for Radford Highlanders men's basketball, they gave North Carolina a tussle before the Tar Heels pulled away. And Trey... I'll give Carolina credit in this spot. First of all, Radford won the game, unlike another top team. And we will get to that momentarily because that has Commonwealth of Virginia implications. That was a tease for you. It very much was, Trey, and very well set up, I might add. But Carolina won the game. It wasn't all that pretty, but they came together in the latter part of the game when you started to sense adversity would hit North Carolina in the middle of the second half. And in prior years, they would have continued to struggle last year. This year, they at least showed that they could pull away. And again, we're proud to carry Radford Highlander men's basketball on the VTR and Roanoke app and Talk Radio 99.5 FM, 1240 AM in the Roanoke Valley. But if you're saying which team should be doing that, it's North Carolina over the stretch of the game. Radford did what you could, again, I know we laugh about this, but when you're talking moral victories, that kind of chalks into the moral victory category. It's not officially a win for Radford, but they showed they could hang with a team of Carolina's caliber, which should mean 
that Radford can contend for a conference championship when Big South play begins in a few months. That potential is at least there for the Highlanders. Meanwhile, for VCU, debut game, new coaching staff, and yet they fall by double digits, 11 to be specific. McNeese State 76, VCU 65 Will at Wade the Revenge Siegel Center. Game, even though he was suspended. Yes. Will Wade was not technically there for McNeese State, but he got revenge he on coach. the team for whom he never really committed did, the violation. Wait a minute. I got, I got even another question. Fire away. Do UVA fans feel better about McNeese State getting this upset over Ryan Odom, who was the head coach of UMBC against UVA? How about that? tied together and he was an assistant at Virginia Tech and obviously you already touched on UMBC against Louisville I just like tied like six games together uh yeah I guess we could say so okay you did a really good job by the way but for VCU I mean look they're in they're in a conference where you can expect multiple bids this is not the ACC or the Big East where you get like five to six bids or the SEC and the Big Ten, where even though Big Ten teams never do well in the tournament, they get like 10 bids, even though it never translates into March. But VCU, this is not the type of loss you want, even though it was the Will Wade revenge game. Uh, and, you know, VCU apparently made a strong bleep offer for Will Wade to come in there and play that game. And he accepted the offer and got the victory, spoiling Ryan Odom's program debut for VCU. Um, I don't panic on him, but it is the type where if VCU's a bubble team come selection Sunday, just keep that in the back of your mind. Meanwhile, speaking of bubble teams come selection Sunday, Mark Byington, JMU Dukes. This win, I think, will age very well. Yes. Because I think Michigan State will still be good. And might win their conference. And might still win their conference. Which and the Big is Ten, the best in college basketball, probably. I mean, look, I, I joke about the Big Ten, and again, I'm skeptical that a lot of that translates to March Madness, but they get a lot of teams into the Big Dance, and it's highly regarded. And to go on the road to win at number 4 Michigan State, and I'll actually put a feather in their cap that they won in overtime. The Dukes did, 79-76 yesterday. Because, Trey, how often do we see it? Where a team like JMU can force overtime, but because the more talented team has five extra minutes, things come together. Very much so. That's I mean, Izzo's one of the best coaches, and it's it's from execution. I mean, you can go back to that game against Duke when they eliminated the Zion Duke team. It was late game execution. That's that's what you know why they're so good at March is because Izzo just is so good at getting his team to execute. You know, especially late in games because a lot of tournament games are just it's simply about late game execution. It is. It, it very much is about late game execution and what you can pull off in that spot. Um, meanwhile. Uh, you know, we touched on JMU, but that victory is a really good win. And and Mark Byington's the type of coach that has always drawn high praise. Remember the upset a couple of years ago against UVA? And granted, that was not an NCAA tournament team that Virginia had two seasons ago. But still, he got that victory then. JMU has been a factor in their second season now in the Sunbelt Conference. And they're a team that clearly looks poised to make that type of a jump. And remember, they can go to the NCAA tournament because they've already been eligible for the NCAA tournament with the conference realignment. It's football that is getting the shaft, just in case you're curious about that. Meanwhile, for Virginia, again, I follow Virginia in the same category, men's basketball for UVA, the same category that goes to Virginia Tech and Liberty in men's basketball. It wasn't all that exhilarating and flashy. They took care of business in a fairly obvious manner early on but for Virginia 80 to 50 over Tarleton State um, Virginia 
was up 41-19 at halftime. They got great three-point shooting from Isaac Manili. The athleticism for Leon Bond popped. Um, it sure looks like Reese Beekman can do more when asked, but Dante Harris can now alleviate some of the pressure of running the offense if necessary. That's a really good thing for Virginia right now. And again, they have a very deep lineup at this juncture. They played a number of players. I'll get Tristan Howe. I won't include him in the mix. But for Virginia, they went 10 deep last night with Buchanan, Bond, Harris, Murray, and Miner all off the bench. I would expect Virginia to probably keep a fairly deep rotation this year. Groves was the only post player who started for Virginia. Buchanan, truthfully, against bigger teams, is probably going to have fewer minutes because there's room to grow. But Miner is a guy that you'll probably increase his minutes. Uh, but for Virginia, I think you're getting a look that they could go with a number of different combinations and have 8 to 10 guys ready, but they have a lot of pop and athleticism for UVA. Speaking of pop, not the good kind, we'll get to that momentarily in the Fast Five at 5-ish. But before we do, you know what's popping right now? The deals at InsaneRadioDeals.com for tickets to remaining Liberty Flames football games. People are already making their purchases, but we still have tickets left to this Saturday's 1 p.m. kickoff against Old Dominion and next Saturday, 1 p.m., the regular season finale for Liberty before they wrap up the regular season Thanksgiving weekend and then the following weekend actually host the Conference USA uh, championship game. So two games left, tickets $22.22 for two tickets. Normally $75, but for you, a limited number still await at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, speaking of popping, not the good kind, we get to that right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Are we looking at another team challenging for the top pick in the NFL draft? We might be because Arizona's going to get Kyler Murray back. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback the way they paid him and structured that ridiculous contract of the study clause that was in and taken out, but they still thought they needed it in there initially. Um, But he's talented enough to get them a win or two down the stretch. The Chicago Bears. They can't really count on a team like the Carolina Panthers because Carolina obviously wants to win, and they may find one in that horrible NFC South in which they play, even though there's not much around Bryce Young right now. But the Giants, they gave Daniel Jones a big contract. That was a head-scratcher at the time. It looks even more so now because he's out for the year with a torn ACL. The viable backup option is Tyrod Taylor, but he's on at least short-term injured reserve with the rib injury he sustained a few weeks ago, which means... Tommy DeVito and Matt Barkley. Trey, remember him from the Philadelphia Eagles? Hey, man. Oh, almost picked Matt Barkley? Yeah. Yes, that Matt Barkley. He has been signed to the active roster after being on the practice squad. This is a mess right now. They're a team that, kind of like Minnesota last year, won a lot of close games and found their way into the divisional round of the playoffs where they proceeded to get waxed by Philadelphia on that Saturday night game, 38-7 to in the divisional round. They have regressed mightily this year. The holes that they've had on the offensive line, the lack of depth surrounding Dexter Lawrence on the defensive line, the fact that they have had bad draft classes for a while, and of course, in the spirit of New York, you just don't understand us. That's why you have to spend money on free agents to win. Even if there's no game plan, you have to convince the irrational media and fans that you know what you're doing, so that's what teams often do around there. Guess what? It has not built a winning roster for the New York Giants. Now we're seeing what the flaws are right now. And yes, they might well be a team contending for the number one pick in the NFL draft 
once we get to the end of this year unfortunately for them they've got plenty of company with other bad teams like the chicago bears themselves in the panthers draft pick which you can see the bears try to you know increase their draft pick and win a game thursday night right here in Indeed, you can hear that game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app starting at 8 p.m. after Tech Talk Live. Number four. Monumental Sports, which is now the parent group that owns what used to be Masson TV and before that CSN Washington. Monumental Sports, they have asked D.C., the Washington, D.C. municipality, for funds to go towards arena renovations. Hey, can we get $600 million in public funding, of course, for major renovations to Capital One Arena? Inevitably, these organizations get that type of funding. Uh, You know, it's the amazing part of being a professional sports franchise. Public liability in terms of how to fund that and how to pay for the cost of something like a $600 million renovation to a sports venue. Or is the price tag now is in the billions for most new venues You pay that much, the public has to figure out how to ultimately pay that big ticket off, whether it's hotel taxes or other forms of taxation. Meanwhile, it's privately held wealth. It is the most amazing thing when it comes to the world of finance and business. Number three. Speaking of Washington, by the way, the Bears agreed to a new four-year extension worth $98 $98 million, $24.5 million per year, and under, just under, right at $73 million guaranteed for Edge Montez Sweat. That guy and his agent, Clutch Sports Group, might as well just go ahead and expand their empire. We know they're the LA clutches in the NBA that have taken over the LA Lakers since LeBron, the GM, gets to run a lot of things out there. Apparently, they're taking over the Chicago Bears. The Bears, though, were being held over a barrel by Montez Sweat because the Bears traded a second-round pick on a roster that has no chance of making the playoffs this year for an edge rusher who is above average, clearly. But is Montez Sweat in the same caliber as TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, No, he's not. And insert the Bosa brothers here. Not in that category either. But he's going to get paid like them because the Bears had to find a way to save face after giving up a second round pick for a soon to be free agent defensive end. And it's not like this is a team like the Niners who gave up the third rounder for Chase Young. You can at least say, hey, we're giving up some capital, but we got a chance to win the Super Bowl and you don't know when these will come around. So we're willing to give that up. Uh Uh-uh, not the case there, which is so amusing about that particular decision. Number two. Davo Swinney got his means of revenge, and we'll get to that momentarily, this past weekend. Tyler from Spartanburg obviously gave him some heat last week. The caller who came in and questioned Davo's credentials, and Davo fired back with the credentials that he has in winning and how Clemson's fan base has been spoiled. Clemson got the win 31-23 last week in a measure of revenge over some of those haters including Tyler from Spartanburg. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. As first reported by WSET's Dave Walls, and this is a topic we'll discuss around 5.30 today with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com, Brookville Bees coach John Meeks stepping down after 10 years leading the Bees, believing it's a time for a change for him. Uh, Yes, it is somewhat convenient to some that, you know, this was a down year by Brookville standards, 
But I'll also point this one out. Brookville was always solid under John Meeks. They never quite got over the hump the way that Heritage did making it to state championship games or the LCA Bulldogs have done. And in part, the road got harder for Brookville when LCA joined the 3A ranks as they have done the last couple of years. And certainly they're on pace to make a deep run in the playoffs this year and next year with Gideon Davidson and um, Easton Ware, the running back and right tackle, both committed to Clemson as juniors set to return. Solid tenure for John Meeks at Brookville. Not quite the level of his predecessor, Jeff Woody, who won those state championships there. But uh, while Brookville fans will give John Meeks grief, I actually think it's worth appreciating this. It's really hard to follow the man. And the man for a lot of that tenure in the last 15 to 20 years at Brookville was Jeff Woody. Cough, cough, Justin Fuente. Yes. He had to follow Frank Beamer. And it's really hard. Meeks... I thought it did an admirable job with that, all things considered. And there is your Fast Five at five When we return in the Fast Lane, more on that with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. He'll step into the Fast Lane and we'll look at that. Plus, we still have to keep receipts, get into the weeds on the Virginia Tech Hokies, and get to some of your feedback. So much of that still to come here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. <laughs> 